All righty. Welcome back to the podcast. This is our 41st episode coming to you guys after a pretty long break, but we were just kind of waiting for the NBA playoffs to boil down. Uh, now we are currently coming to you guys um, after the Eastern Conference and Western Conference finals have been set. So we will be breaking down the first matchup. Dylan, do you want to tell us what it is? Yeah, so this first one, probably the most entertaining series, unless you're a Sixers or Hawks fan. It's a, It was the Nets-Bucks. The uh, Bucks ended up winning this one seven in Game 7. Jad, Drew, how did this happen? Did KD choke it away? And uh, how did the Bucks pull this off against what seemed to be the easily favored Nets in this series? All right, so uh, I'm going to start off here. I think... Joe Harris was the biggest reason the Nets lost the series. Obviously, no one man can actually cause the team to lose the whole series, but he shot 34% from the field, not from the three in the series. And, I mean, he just couldn't hit a shot when it mattered. And to be that bad when this guy solidified himself as a great catch-and-shoot player, he won a three-point contest a couple years ago. It's just – it's really unfortunate. I'm not going to bash James Harden too much because he clearly wasn't 100%, but he folded in the playoffs as usual. Kyrie obviously was hurt, and if he's healthy, I do think the Nets win the series. So it is unfortunate that he got hurt. But um, congratulations to the Bucks and Giannis. This honestly was a, a big step for him, proving he could beat the big teams, even if they weren't 100% healthy. Obviously, the whole Bucks team played well, and honestly, there isn't much to bash there. They just took care of business. And I do not think KD deserves any of the blame for the series oh loss. I know he went 0 for 6 in OT in Game 7, but... He was 95% of the reason they were in OT in the first place. It's the same argument saying Ray Allen was the reason that the Heat beat the Spurs in game six, even though LeBron scored the last 16 points before that. So he was basically the reason the three even mattered. KD averaged 35 points a game in that series, and that game five was one of the best playoff performances of all time and the best one that I've seen. So his his last shot in OT did baffle me a little bit, but – Overall, the series just reassured me that he's right up there with LeBron for being the best player in the league. Dylan, I see that you're shaking your head. Why is yeah, that? Yeah, so I'm very, very disappointed from what I'm hearing from Jad, from what I'm seeing on social media. Everyone's <laughs> talking about Joe Harris and James Harden fumbling the bag, but why, why are we talking about a 77 overall role player being the deciding factor in this series with heavy doses of superstars? We got Giannis, KD. Harden, you know, Chris Middleton's an all-star and Joe Harris is the main factor. No, there's, there's something else. And that something else is going to be Kevin Durant. Everybody's saying he's the best player on the planet. Now, everything on social media, as soon as the Bucks win, what do I see on social media? Kevin Durant, 48 points, blah, blah, blah. I see nothing about the Bucks winning, nothing about Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Giannis playing great. I just see Kevin Durant and all of his points, his buzzer beater in the fourth quarter, or not buzzer beater, but tying shot. But, Jad said 0 for 6 in overtime. I'm not going to allow that to pass. I'm not going to allow that to pass. You're the best player on the planet. You can't go over 6 in overtime. You had a 2-0 series, 2-0 series lead in this against a Bucks team that is not a super team by any means. You got Giannis and Chris Middleton, who's a questionable all-star at best. And then Giannis can't shoot outside five feet. If you're the best player on the planet with James Harden, you're, you can't blow a 2-0 series lead. It's, it's, it's embarrassing. Why does this series even get to seven games? Holiday and Middleton were inconsistent the entire series. Holiday, before the fourth quarter started, was three for 18 from the field in game seven. Not to mention, not to mention Dante DiVincenzo 
being injured the entire series, who's probably the Bucks' fourth or fifth best player, I'm not going to allow KD to get a pass for this. KD had two games in the series shooting under 40% from the field, one game in the series with over six assists. It's just he's being asked to do what another superstar in the NBA, I'm not naming names, I'm not naming names, I'm not going to do that. He's being asked to do what somebody else is doing, and he just can't do it. He can't do it. He can't do it like this guy. Because I know if this guy, who I'm thinking of, suits a fadeaway three-pointer with a 6-3 point guard on you for game seven and air balls, it's, it's tarnishing his legacy forever. But he does this seconds after. What do I see on social media? Congratulations, Kevin Durant. You know, you put up a valiant effort. It's just ridiculous to me. No Bucks credit. No KD no KD um, slander, not slander, not even slander. I just need to see some questioning of KD's performance, what he's going through, what he's thinking about, and I'm just not seeing it. KD, KD fumbled the bag here. You know, sure, James Harden choked in the playoffs, but that guy always chokes in the playoffs. Joe Harris, why are we counting on a 77 overall role player to carry for this Nets superstar team? KD, KD's got to be, KD's got to be part of the blame here, and I'm just not seeing it on the media. So I think it's actually good that I'm going third here because I kind of agree with both of your guys' statements here. So I'm going to start off with, this is kind of just based off of game seven alone because it's the only game of the series that I fully watched. I watched the others, obviously, like sparingly. Um, but like Dylan said, the the Nets had no business losing this series to the Bucks mm-hmm. On paper mm-hmm. and just as a team in general, I think that the Brooklyn Nets are a better team than the Milwaukee Bucks any day of the week. I still think that they are the better team, but the better team does not always win. Um, in the case of this series, the Bucks honestly just played better. I, I give a lot of credit to Giannis Antetokounmpo. He really stepped it up. Um, despite the kind of questionable free throw shooting uh, and free throw kind of routine, I don't know what he's doing these days, but the Bucks really just stepped up. The, the Nets folded. I This is where I kind of get a little bit angry because James Harden, James Harden is one of my favorite players to watch on the basketball court. And I think that he's really honestly changed his game, if anything, for the better on the Brooklyn Nets, because mm-hmm. he doesn't need to be the main guy getting all the points. Um, so he's kind of become this kind of pass first type of guy, and he's been a good distributor and everything. But he led his team in turnovers. This entire Brooklyn Nets team had 13 turnovers as a whole. The Bucks, in comparison, had seven. I mean, this really just goes to show that the team that wins the turnover battle ends up pretty much winning the game most of the time. Uh, I also kind of do have to bash Joe Harris. I think Joe Harris, I could not believe this guy is a three-point champion. Like, this guy looks like someone that, he looks like a janitor at a 7-Eleven that just somehow happened to wander into Brooklyn one day and then somehow got onto the Nets. He he is horrible. Like, I, I, I genuinely cannot express how bad this guy is. He shot three for 10 from the field. He went uh, three for nine from three point range. I thought this guy was a three point champion. The, he's he's really he's just he's just bad. And James Harden, oh my god, five for seventeen, five for seventeen. James Harden, when when you if you told me one or two years no one year ago one month ago that a team with James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant loses in the playoffs to Giannis Antetokounmpo. I would literally call you insane because there is no planet that this should actually be happening. Mm-hmm. The Nets fumbled the bag. This is not a Steve Nash uh, wasn't a great coach. Uh, this is not uh, the Nets team didn't have the the, the depth because if anything they had more depth than the Bucks. The Bucks have solid role players. They have Pat Connaughton and they usually yeah. have Dante Divincenzo. But like Dylan said, he's out for the series. 
this Nets team, it just baffles me that something like this could happen. And I'm, I'm going to bash Kyrie Irving here, too, because he's just pissing me mm. off. He's sitting on the sidelines in a nice shirt and a ripped cap, acting like he's cheering on the team. This guy, you can't take Juneteenth off because it's affecting your mental state when it's a game seven. I don't care how injured this guy is. He has to get in there and play. He's one of the big three on that team. He needs to be in the game playing. Part of the reason why this team is shooting so abysmally and why I think I think that Kevin Durant going over six in overtime is definitely validated due to the fact that no one else on this team can make a shot. The only other person for the Nets that made a shot in that overtime uh, was like Bruce Brown, and it was off of a rebound. When Bruce Brown is your like number three scorer on the team, you have something wrong with that team. And if that team consists of James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Blake Griffin, and Kevin Durant, there is no reason that someone like Bruce Brown should be one of your best players on any given night. So really, this was just a disappointing performance for the Nets. Uh, I think that Ke- Kevin Durant, he played a very good game. I think that that shot selection, even for the overtime shot, that was a very questionable shot. I was amazed that it went in. If they had won, I think that goes down. Even if, actually, even that they haven't won, I think that's one of the best playoff shots that I've ever seen, Um, despite the fact that it didn't exactly save the Nets from losing in overtime. But, um, yeah, Milwaukee was really just the stronger team overall, even though on paper the Nets are better. And this is just a disappointing season, given the fact that the Nets had the highest probability of winning the NBA championship after the blockbuster trades happened. Yeah, I mean, KD, you know, if he wants to be that best player in the planet, he's going to get scrutinized. He's going to get held to that level of being the best player in the planet, like I know this other guy has for the past seven years in the NBA. We're going to move on to this other series now, that which is. was the second most interesting series, in my opinion, of the semis, was the Philadelphia 76ers versus the Hawks. Also went to a game seven with the Hawks pulling it out. Uh, in that very close game towards the end. Drew Jad, same approach here. How did this happen, and how were the Hawks able to pull this out? I'm going to start uh, off here. Um, the fact that the Atlanta Hawks actually have a shot of going to the finals makes me cry <laughs> as a basketball fan and sports fan in general. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I hate the Atlanta Hawks team. I just think that they're really just not a good team. Uh, they, they beat the New York Knicks, who I saw as one of the biggest frauds. Uh, the fact that they were like the four seed. <laughs> Um, really, they were like, oh, uh, Julius Randle had a great season and they played really well as a unit. Uh, we got like great uh, young stars. Um, gen- like that, that's not a very good team. Uh, genuinely, I, I think Thibodeau is a pretty good coach, but that's just not a good team. And the fact that the Hawks um, made it this far in the playoffs is really just a testament to how absolutely garbage the Philadelphia 76ers are. Uh, Joel Embiid, honestly, I'm, I'm kind of tired of making excuses for the guy. I've kept saying like year in and year out, um, oh, there, there was Kawhi's shot, which obviously sent them home. I can't really follow. Uh, but Joel Embiid, he's one of the, he's kind of year in and year out been one of, if not the best center in the league. Um, and I think that he should be held to a higher standard. I don't think that the loss was entirely his fault but he definitely should have stepped it up on defense. I saw a lot of sloppiness from him. Um, And just for the 76 as a whole, and I'm going to get to the crux of my argument here, and I know that you guys are going to kind of bash this player as well, but Ben Simmons is genuinely, I I say this with no remorse, I don't think he has a future in the NBA. Uh, He's not fixed the biggest weakness in his game, which is just shooting. He refuses to get better at it. He refuses to shoot the ball. 
he scored like eight points in a game, like an elimination game. He, you need to like when you're number one overall pick, who everyone touts as one of the best players. LeBron says, "Oh, this guy can surpass me." He he clearly cannot. He he he's not a good player, and the fact that he has made it this far in the league with absolutely zero shooting ability really just baffles me. It's like if you told me that Steph Curry uh, is one one of the best players in the league, but he can't shoot a three pointer. I I just don't know what to say. Ben Simmons, he he's honestly he he really makes me angry because. His play style is just so ugly to watch. Um, he's just sort of an oversized point guard who should be playing power forward because he has the skills of a power forward and absolutely none of the skills of an actual point guard. Um, I think that the Philadelphia 76ers definitely need to look into trading him. But as far as offseason rumors go, it looks like Joel Embiid might be departing next season. Obviously, I'm not a credible news source, so don't take that from me. But that's just kind of what I'm hearing in the rumor mill. Super disappointing for the Philadelphia 76ers. Congratulations to the Hawks, I guess. I, if I see them in the finals, I'm going to stop watching basketball. Um, it, it, I don't know. I, this series, it is interesting, but it is more interesting to see how badly the process has failed over the last couple of years because the process is over. There, there's no hope for the process. You draft Markel Fultz, he's a bust. He's your number one overall pick. That guy's a bust. Ben Simmons, he's turning out to be sort of a bust as well. I think he can revive. I think he can definitely revitalize his career. It's simple. He needs to get better at shooting, and that's what we've said for every single year that he's been in the league, and he has not gotten better at all. He, if anything, he's gotten worse. Yeah, I mean, all of Drew's points are fairly valid here, but I'm gonna. I think the Hawks are actually a very valid team. I think they were they were one of my sleeper teams coming into the year. Did I think they were gonna make it this far? Absolutely not. But what they were able to show me here, so I need you guys to understand this. The 76ers, you know, hate Ben Simmons or not, they were the number one seed in the Eastern Conference with the conference, with the Nets, with the Bucks, and all of those teams. So you got to give them some valid points there. This is game seven at Philadelphia. And on the road, the Hawks go five. Trey Young, easily the best player. He goes five for 23 from the field. And they're still able to pull this out game seven on the road at Philadelphia. And that's because of guys like Kevin Huerter, or however you say his last name, getting 24 points. That's because of Clint Capella just getting alley-oop dunk after alley-oop dunk. And all these other guys, Bogdanovich, Cam Reddish, um, Gallinari, they're making plays. They're making plays for the Hawks. And they've just got a lot of guys who can make plays now. They added tons of wing depth with those guys that I just mentioned. And if you've listened to this podcast before, you know I'm a very big guard guy. I said in college basketball, when I pick Baylor to win March Madness, it's because they have the best guard play of any team. And in the NBA, that guard play is even more important. You cannot win big basketball games if you don't have elite guard play. And if you're going to talk about teams that do not have elite guard play, you're going to have to come talk about the 76ers because they got Joel Embiid, who, like Drew said, it was probably the second best center in the league this year behind Jokic, who won the MVP. And without an elite guard, they're never going to win a ring. And Ben Simmons is not going not gonna to win a ring playing that current point guard role that he's not right now. Because you look at the Nuggets, you know, they were a very, very good team with Murray and Jokic. Murray goes down. Jokic still plays great. But did they win a lot of games? No, they ended up getting swept by the Suns. And with this Ben Simmons banter, so this is very tolerated. This is very tolerated to a certain extent because, like Drew was saying, there's one thing that everybody knows he needs to get better at. And for the past however many years he's been in the league, I think like four, he's failed to do that. He's failed to do that. He doesn't show the the desire to want to improve that and his free throw shooting is just getting worse and worse he shot 36 percent from the free throw line this series in the past four fourth quarters of this game 
He scored two points in the past four fourth quarters of the past four games in this series. That's absolutely ridiculous. And let me take you into some basketball, basketball analytics here as a basketball player myself. So you got Ben Simmons bringing down the ball to the court. Obviously, one of their best things, they just dump it to him, beat at the high post elbow area, clear it out for him. He's going to go one-on-one in the high post. So normally, when you, know, you get your point guard, you dump it down to your big. He goes out to the three-point line to space it out for your big man to go one-on-one. Is Ben Simmons going to do that? Absolutely not. He goes right down to the right block and stands there waiting for an alley-oop spot like a center. And you got Embiid playing at the high post like a guard. And can you name one other NBA team where you got your point guard dumping it down to your center in the high post and basically (laughs) exchanging spots? I can't. Can you imagine Curry dumping it down to Draymond Green to go one-on-one high post at the top of the key and then Curry standing underneath the basket waiting for an alley-oop? It's just ridiculous. And then another thing, too, here that I need to talk about that's not getting talked about a lot is Mr. Doc Rivers. So can you talk about the 76ers being a bad team? Sure you can, because Brett Brown couldn't fix them. Doc Rivers couldn't fix them either. But Doc Rivers has twice now in the past two seasons blown huge leads, once with the Clippers last year and now with the 76ers once again. So something's got to talk to – someone's got to come talk to Doc. But more importantly, it's Ben Simmons, in my opinion. But a lot of this – he's still got some good in his. He's still got some good in him. Eight rebounds and eight assists a game in this series for a 6-9, point guard. It, it doesn't grow on trees. You can't easily replace that. And you want to talk about why Trey Young went five for 23 from the field in this series? That's partially because of Ben Simmons' elite defense. He's a very good defender, solid playmaker, nothing too crazy. He's a good rebounder, but that's partially because of his height, given that he's matched up against other point guards. But that offense, with Ben Simmons being that primary playmaker, it's never going to be a championship offense. Yeah, so uh, first of all, I'm going to say congratulations to Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks. They've been rebuilding for a while, and now this is a huge win, especially because they're so young. And I don't think anybody expected this, except for maybe some crazy Hawk fans. But honestly, I think the Luka Trey Young trade is probably – the fairest trade of all time and it's worked out for both teams and it's kind of weird how Trey got to the conference finals first but um Mm. I do think his team is a little more complete than Luca's but now as far for the Sixers uh Dylan touched on it Doc Rivers proves once again he's a choke artist I mean this guy was a choke artist with the Celtics with the Clippers and now with the Sixers you had they blew 20 plus leads two games in the series while you were the heavy favorites in every game and I just, I mean, I think he deserves maybe one more year, but I just don't think he's hes a good coach anymore. And Ben Simmons, he might have had the worst series an All-Star has ever had in the playoffs. I mean, everyone knew uh, the turning point in the Game 7 was when Simmons had a wide-open dunk but was scared to get fouled, so he passed it off, mm-hmm. which resulted in a one, one-made free throw. And I couldn't believe it, and I saw this clip. <laughs> I saw this clip where Embiid was watching it, and Embiid couldn't believe it either. He just threw his hands up. Um, as for Simmons, his contract makes it much harder to trade him. And honestly, mm-hmm. they were most likely considering trading him before this series, but his value has dropped so bad. I think keeping him is a better option and hoping that he can improve his shot and his free throw shooting especially. I always thought it was kind of odd how this guy has failed to improve his shot being in the league for this long. I don't know. I genuinely thought this was fixable, but like Dylan said, it, it doesn't even seem like Simmons wants to fix it. And honestly, I also think the process has failed and it was a fun ride, but it's come to an end. And I think 
it ended after Kawhi hit that shot. The whole team kind of got toxic after that. I mean, Embiid's always like hinting that he's going to leave and he's unhappy. And uh, as for the Hawks, they do not belong to be in the Eastern Conference Finals, but I am happy for them. And opposite of Drew, I kind of would like to see them in the finals, but I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, just to kind of add on to what you said there, Jed, um, uh, and actually kind of call back to what Dylan said, a little bit more Ben Simmons slander. This is turning into more of a Ben Simmons hate <laughs> podcast. But uh, Ben Simmons is, is currently listed by the NBA.com as six foot 10. And uh, as per his, uh, his kind of, uh, as per a reporter that has spoken to him, he's listed as six foot ten, but apparently he's grown a couple inches since these Sixers <laughs> drafted him. So let, let's be kind to him. Let's say that he's around six eleven. If I'm six eleven and I'm playing against Trey Young, who is six two six three, if I'm not, no, Trey Young's like five eleven. I I should literally retire. That that would be so depressing. This guy, he's like I said, he's an overgrown. He's he's a power forward. He's just playing point guard. It's just it's just absolutely ridiculous. And uh, I think that Jad's claims about how the 76ers culture just kind of turning toxic. I mean, they've gone through like Jimmy Butler. They made him out to be a super toxic player, which obviously he's not. So, yeah, the, the process is over. I completely agree with you guys. Uh, but now moving on to our kind of overarching NBA segment uh, after talking mm-hmm. about these two exciting uh, playoff series what do you guys think or what two teams do you guys think will land up in the finals this year all right so i'll go first year i'm gonna i'm gonna get straight to it i got Suns and six over the bucks to win the nba championship mm. the Suns with chris paul coming back because i know chris paul is going to come back once he uh gets that negative COVID test unlike Kawhi, who's not coming back once chris paul comes back the Suns are the best team and I think the Bucks can give them some issues because I don't really think the 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 Suns have any answer for Giannis but Middleton Holiday Booker and CP3 I'll take them over that I want to see Giannis you know do what he did against the Nets I want to see him do that in an NBA finals I don't think he's ready to do that Chris Paul most experienced player remaining in these playoffs aside from Kawhi Leonard who's who's injured not playing anymore so you got that Devin Booker's just been on an absolute tear Everybody's seeing what he can do now. And the Suns play very, very, very good defense. And they might not have any big name defenders. You know, Chris Paul used to be a very good defender back in his prime. He still is a solid defender, but their team defense is very, very good. They've got lots of depth. And I just think they're the hottest team right now. Uh, maybe the Hawks are the hottest team. But after Trey Young went ice tray five for 23 from the field, I'm not calling them the hottest team anymore. So I got the Suns over the, the Bucks in six to win the NBA Finals. So I got the same exact finals. I think the Bucks are going to easily beat the Hawks in five games. And I think the Suns are going to beat the Clippers in six because Kawhi is probably out for the rest of the season. And honestly, I think the Bucks are going to beat the Suns in the finals, but it's going to be a tough seven-game series. I think they're going to battle it out to the end. The Suns have impressed me a lot. Uh, I honestly – well, I knew they were a good team once they made the playoffs, but I still wasn't high on them. I still thought the Lakers would easily win them win against them but obviously there were no pushover but I think they've been on fire right now like Dylan said they're the hottest team and I think they'll finally cool down in the finals I think Giannis will finally get it done after NBA fans said he would never win in Milwaukee he needs to leave I'm honestly rooting for this to happen 
because it shows loyalty pays off sometimes. And we live in the Bay, so I've heard countless Warrior fans saying he should leave and join Curry and Clay, and you know it, it'll be the best for him. And seeing him win the finals would please me. Yeah, so uh, I surprisingly have the exact same finals matchup. Uh, I have the Suns and I have the Bucks. Um, as for a game prediction, I think that the Suns get it done in uh, five games. I just feel like the Clippers are really no match for them without Kawhi Leonard. That's a huge blow for them. And while they're actually they've had key role players such as Terrence Mann step up, uh, and Paul George has actually been playing pretty decently. Uh, I do think that they can get a game off of the Suns, but the Suns, like Dylan said, they have kind of an underrated defense. Uh, they're a team that I kind of really learned to respect, um, especially they they do, definitely do have, when Chris Paul is on the floor, they're, they're a very well-organized team. Um, as for the Bucks, I think that they get it done against the Hawks pretty easily. Again, I have it in five games. I, I just feel like both the uh, Hawks and the Clippers are, not going to be a real match for their respective teams. And then as far as the NBA finals goes, I'm very, very confused because on paper, and if you're asking me logically, I think that the Suns win this. I think they're the better team and I think they're better coached. Um, but just overall, I feel like just no one really in the league has been able to truly stop Giannis in the playoffs. Or I don't want to say in the playoffs because he hasn't been stopped many times, but just as a player, He's, he's very, very hard to defend. I don't really know who on the Suns matches up well against him other than maybe DeAndre Ayton, but I don't think he's fast enough to keep up with him. Uh, Giannis has carried this team this far. He swept the, uh, the uh, defending finals contender, the Miami Heat, in the first round. He won against the number one seed, uh, the Brooklyn Nets, and they've been playing well as a team. I think Drew Holiday will definitely uh, pick it up. I think that their defense is actually pretty solid. Um, I don't know. I think that the Bucks win this, but I think it'll go all seven games. Yeah, I mean, if this is probably Bucks, Giannis, this is probably the best shot he's going to get for at yeah. least the very foreseeable future. Because, you know, next year, the Nets are going to be right back into title contention once everybody heals up from their injuries. Um, you know, the Lakers, I think they'll be back in it. The Suns are going to stay in it. The Clippers are going to stay in it. Uh, once Kawhi gets back, so Bucks, Giannis, he needs to he needs to get this one now, or else he's probably not going to get one for the next few years. But anyways, we're going to be moving on to a new segment. That's right, another new segment. So much content coming from us here, and it's basically this is going to be called a hot take, very expl expl explanatory once again. So today for our hot take, we're going to go with Drew. So basically, how this is going to work, he's going to say a hot take. Me and Jad are going to have a blind reaction. We have no idea what Drew is going to say. And Drew's gonna Drew's gonna try to defend his take. Me and Jag gonna try to shut it down. So uh, Drew, I'll let you I'll let you take it away now. Right. So thank you, Dylan, for that introduction. Now, without further ado, let me hop into my hot take. Uh, this is kind of a bold prediction, if I do say so myself. I'm gonna start out by saying my hot take slash bold prediction, and I'm gonna go ahead and quantify it, and I'll have you guys react to it. Mm -hmm. My prediction is when it's all said and done. Justin Herbert will be a top five quarterback of all time. Let me tell oh you. Oh my gosh. Uh, I absolutely like this guy. Uh, I, I think that he's a fantastic franchise quarterback. Um, so let me just start off by kind of qualifying what, why I think that Justin Herbert's going to be a top five quarterback of all time. He set the rookie passing touchdown record where uh, he actually broke it with 31 passing touchdowns. He broke Carson Wentz's completion 
record uh, with 396 total completions. Uh, he also broke uh, Lamar Jackson's record for being the youngest quarterback in league history to throw 30 touchdown passes in a single season. And he passed uh, Cam Newton's total touchdown record uh, with 36 total touchdowns on the season. I think that when you look at the stats, they're impressive in and of themselves. He also won as the rookie of the year pretty much unanimously. Um, but I think that also what I can kind of attribute to uh, his sort of success or why I think that he's going to be able to succeed in the league for the years to come uh, is honestly just his build. Uh, I think that his biggest attribute is honestly his athleticism, and that hasn't proved well for a, a couple quarterbacks in the past. But Justin Herbert, he's 6'6". He's an absolute unit. He's very mobile. Um, he can, he has a huge arm, as we have seen uh, in the season. I think that he makes really good reads. Uh, he doesn't really throw many passes that could be considered risky or maybe ill-advised. Uh, he doesn't seem to get too phased by pressure. Um, although the Chargers team is kind of known for choking, I don't really think that any of that was really his fault. Um I, I just feel like better times are coming for the, the Los Angeles Chargers mm. as a whole. Uh, I think that with head coach Brendan Staley, I feel like they're just going to reach new heights that they haven't before. He has an upgraded offensive line. He's great elite receiving weapons uh, uh, in Keenan Allen and uh, Austin Eckler. But I, I just feel like he – I think that when it's said and done, I just feel like not just on his athleticism alone, but just a combination of all his attributes. I think he's going to be a top five quarterback of all time. What do you guys think? Uh, I mean, I just don't, I, I just don't, I don't see this at all. So I got a few reasons here. So he's in the same division as the chiefs with their quarterback, Mr. Patrick Mahomes, that itself, I'm going to be predicting that that's going to prevent a lot of playoff success for him because I, you know, I think the, Broncos, you know, Drew Locke's going to develop pretty nicely. They're going to be uh, no, competing with the Chargers for that wild card spot. And then the Chiefs are going to be winning that division year in, year out. And then, the, so that would like really, really prevent his legacy. I think he could be like a baby Aaron Rodgers type in the sense that um, <laughs> he has lots of skill, but doesn't have the playoff resume to back it up. And then, so I think that could be that. That's not going to get him top five, not top ten. You know, maybe he'll get to the point where he could be like a consistent top five top seven quarterback in the league in like five years or so but top five all time I I just don't see it I don't see yeah so I don't think he's ever going to be the best quarterback in his division so Mm -hmm. it's very tough for him to I mean if anything the other quarterback in that division Mahomes is much more likely to become top five all time yeah but um if you look at I mean Herbert had a great rookie season no one's denying that probably one of the best of all time for a quarterback. But if you look at the records he broke, they were all set pretty recently. He broke Baker Mayfield's passing touchdown record that was set in 2018. As you said, he broke um, Carson Wentz's completion record. And I think Wentz was a rookie in 2016. So it's just like, I feel like times are changing. And I think his records are going to be broken pretty soon. But that's not really a knock on him. But he was in a very pass-heavy offense this year. So that's why his stats oh, yeah. were a little bit inflated. But obviously, he showed all the talent in the world. But I don't think he's ever going to be even considered top 10 all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think he'll ever – actually, there's a chance he could be top five in the league at some point. But I, I think it's unlikely. Right. Yeah. I, I, 
I definitely think that you guys make solid points. Uh, I, again, I kind of disagree. I think that he has tremendous upside. And I definitely do agree with Patrick Mahomes kind of standing in his way in the same division as him. And Patrick Mahomes is someone that I consider, he's probably right there in being considered as one of the top five quarterbacks of all time. So I, I think like it's pretty easy for us to say like maybe like two years from now, three years from now, Patrick Mahomes is the top five quarterback of all time. I'm pretty sure he'll be able to get to that height barring something bad happening. But the reason that I say Justin Herbert, I think he'll be a top five to top 10 quarterback of all time. I, I just feel like he's he's got tremendous athleticism. He's got tremendous upside. He's in an air raid type of offense, which is where a lot of these guys thrive. I feel like with his rookie season going by and having absolutely fantastic year, I think he's only going to get better from here. Um, I know that quarterbacks, again, like I said, that rely on their athleticism tend not to do super well in the league, but he uses his athleticism as sort of a tool for him to succeed. Uh, you don't really see him scrambling like it's kind of a crutch for him. You see him scrambling if he like absolutely needs to, or he'll do like a QB sneak where he pulls like the Carson Wentz move and just gets absolutely battered. Um, but I, I just feel like he has the potential to become a top five quarterback of all time. I think definitely top 10. Um just as far as if we're talking about potential, of course, things might not go that way. That's why it's called a hot take. That was my bold prediction. Uh, great to see your guys' reaction to it. Let me know what you guys think. I feel like this is kind of out there, but uh, I don't know, just from what I've seen throughout his rookie season and just as a player and what he's kind of given us as fans in the NFL, I think that he'll be able to solidify himself as at least a top two quarterback in the NFL in at least the next like two to three years. Um, I think Patrick Mahomes is definitely like better than him. It's pretty undeniable for me to say that. Um, but I just feel like he, he has such a, I, I keep saying he has such a tremendous upside, but I'm going to say it again. He's tremendous upside as a player. And I, I feel like he has that kind of quality that can make him a top five to top 10 quarterback. Of all time. Wait, um, so you think that Mahomes and Herbert are going to be top two in the next couple of years? In the next couple of years, I, I think so. I, I, I love my guy, Russell Wilson. Oh, man. And I think that Josh Allen also is a pretty great talent. Um, and, of course, you, you have so many great young quarterbacks in the league right now. You got Lamar Jackson. You got Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. You got, like I just said, Josh <laughs> Allen. So it, it, it's not like this is going to be easy, but I just feel like just potential-wise, I feel like Justin Herbert can do better than those guys. I think, uh, I, I, think I said this on one of our previous podcasts. I think that next season he's actually going to, play even better than Lamar uh, and solidify mm -hmm. himself as a top 10 quarterback in the league. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I just feel like I, I kind of have a good feeling about Justin Herbert. I could be tremendously wrong and this could come back to bite me, but I mean, it's a hot take for a reason and I had to put it out there. Moving on to our next segment. It's going to be overrated, underrated. It's become very popular, very fun to do. Mixing in some non-sports and uh, our first segment for this overrated, underrated. It's going to be J. Cole's new album. Came out a while ago. Uh, back when uh, we weren't making those podcasts, you know, end of school, beginning of NBA playoffs type of deal. So we had some things to take care of. But J. Cole's new album, overrated, underrated, properly rated. What do you guys got? Jad is uh, our resident J. Cole fan, so I'm going <laughs> to hand this off to him. All right, so I'll start out here. As far as, like, people I know go, I don't – I haven't really heard anyone, like, really praise this album, like, from my personal friends. But online, you know how J. Cole fans are. They're going to praise it. They're going to call him the GOAT. This album just wasn't that good. I mean, I, I think it was more of a production type album where, you know, he always has like a singing outro and stuff. And it just, it sounds good together and it flows well together. But as far as the individual songs, I just don't think a lot of them were misses. There were still a couple good songs. And 
the first night when I was listening to it and Lil Baby hopped on that one song, Pride is the Devil, that was hype. <laughs> Everyone got hype on social media over that. I mean, there were still a couple of good songs, but I just think overall for J. Cole's standards, especially making us wait pretty long for this, I don't. I do think it was a little bit overrated because a lot of people on TikTok and, and Instagram saying there's not one miss on this album, which is just far from the truth. Yeah, so I'm actually I'm kind of glad that Jed agrees with me here. I also think this is overrated. I didn't want to hurt your feelings today, Jed. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but honestly, this was just a miss. I'm going to be a little bit more brutally honest because I did not like this project that much. The only song that I actually find myself return- returning to, and it's not too often, is the third track, My Life with 21 Savage. I think that 21 Savage did a great job and I really like their chemistry together. Um, but as a project, this is so boring to listen to. Um, the production was decent, but it's not nothing that would make you come back for more. J. Cole was him, his usual self, but there was really nothing brought to the table that we hadn't heard or seen before from. So I just feel like th- this was just kind of a miss. I, I, I was really bored consistently. I... I have not listened to this full length since it dropped. And I I don't know. I, I think that the Lil Baby song actually was pretty good as well. But up until Lil Baby coming in, it, it was just sort of boring to me. I, I'm sorry, Jed. But just, yeah, like Jed said, J. Cole is obviously an artist which whose fans hold him to a quite high standard. I would not call myself a J. Cole fan, but I do like some of the songs. However, on this album, I will not find myself returning back to many of these songs. It was overrated for me. All right. For me, this was actually very tough for me to decide between overrated and properly rated. And I actually ended up going with properly rated. So let me give you a few reasons why. I think there's two songs, three songs at best. You got My Life, Pride is the Devil. And then some people really like Amari. It's 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 okay. It's okay. It's, okay. it's all right. So three songs at best that are getting added to a playlist by by a, a casual hip-hop fan. And for an album like this that took a long, long time to produce with J. Cole's legacy, with all these features, uh, it's just it's just average. It's average. You know, when I listened to this for the first time, did I really get excited by any of the songs? Not really. I only added these. I added like two to the playlist the second time around. It's nothing crazy. And with with... However, I am going to give it uh, properly rated just because a lot of people that I had a, like an actual conversation to about this agreed towards the end that it's actually average at best slash not that very good. But given that there's some songs that could be playlist worthy, I still have to give it properly rated. Yeah, I mean, that's completely fair, Dylan. Uh, the reason I actually went over it is because I saw a couple people on social media calling it their album of the year or at least top five. I mean, I haven't really listened to a lot of albums this year since not a lot of artists have been putting out them, but it, I don't think it's album of the year by any means. Um, but yeah, moving on to our next uh, kind of item here in overrated, underrated. Mm-hmm. We actually have this. This is a very passionate one for me. Um, actually, it's it's Boba. So what do you guys think first? And then I'll hop in. Um, so I'm going to start out here. I think... Boba is massively overrated. I've never had an enjoyable experience drinking Boba. Uh, You know, I've tried the basic ones like the Earl Grey, Jasmine tea, you know, whatever. I just, I don't like it. It's like, for me, it kind of tastes like it's just milk with a little bit of more sweetness. It's just, I've never enjoyed it. Every time I go to T4, I go, I get the strawberry lemonade smoothie. I don't even think about the Boba. I don't look at the menu at all. And 
I've seen a couple people at school, you know, get boba every day, but I just, I just don't see how you don't get tired of it. I get tired of it after drinking it once. So um, I just, I, I have to think it's massively overrated. All right. So here, here's my take on this. So here in the Bay area, in San Jose, San Francisco, Santa Clara, Cupertino, this surrounding area, this is a very boba, boba, heavy, heavy culture from what we're living in. I know at least more than five people, a few in particular, who get this literally every day, who sometimes drink more than one boba drink a day. And could I ever, ever see myself doing this? Absolutely not. It is not all of that. It is solid. I, unlike Jad, have had pleasurable experiences having these drinks. I think they, it's a selective, it's a selective mood for me. Am I going to get this every day? Um, absolutely not. Am I going to get this if I feel like I'm in the mood for it? And is it going to be good? It's probably going to be pretty good. But some people in this area are just absolutely way too crazy about it. So here's my thing with this nationwide, Boba is probably not very popular, you know, go to the Midwest with all those farming communities. Have they probably ever seen a Boba in their life? No, they haven't. So over there, you know, probably underrated uh, here, overrated tremendously. So once again, I'm going to have to balance this out using my critical thinking skills and give it an overall score of properly rated. Okay, Dylan's using his critical thinking skills. I'm going to use the, I'm going to put an emphasis on the word critical. I hate boba. I think it's horrible. <laughs> um, it's, it's legitimately, it's like drinking a saran wrapped ball of vomit and consuming that and thinking that it tastes good. It, I mean, it's tapioca. I'm just not a huge fan of the taste of tapioca as a whole, but put it with that texture. It, it tastes like, it's like eating eyeballs. It's legitimately disgusting. I'm just ha having a nice sip of my Thai iced tea, get the, the milk, the Thai iced tea coming through the straw. It's really nice. And then there's just a little bit of a roadblock and this shoots into my gullet. Just absolutely unpleasurable experience. I almost <laughs> choke. I start coughing. It, it just ruins the entire drink for me. It tastes so bad. I, I cannot fathom how you how someone can legitimately enjoy this for more than maybe like one drink a day. One drink I maybe understand because obviously my taste buds are not everyone else's taste buds. So they're not going to feel the same way about this. But I cannot I cannot fathom getting addicted to a drink like this. It's legitimately to me. It is, it is not good. It does not taste good. If we're just talking about the pearls which I think is what classifies boba. I'm not an expert by any means, but it, it, it's just fair. It, to me, it, it just tastes very bad. It's highly overrated, especially like Dylan said, we live in sort of a bubble of boba love concentration. A lot of mm -hmm. people drink it religiously. It almost replaces meals <laughs> for some people. It's, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. It is massively overrated, especially in the community that we live in today. Yeah, those, right, those so are very valid, very valid points. So, um, so uh, next thing here is actually going to be a bit of video games. Madden 22 got the cover leaked for the MVP edition. For those of you who haven't seen it, it's basically the GOAT, Mr. Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr., standing <laughs> next to his uh, child, Patrick Mahomes, who he just absolutely wiped in the Super Bowl last year. And they're next to each other, pointing some footballs, you know, smiling at the camera. So just what is your reaction to this, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, did they deserve this? What do you think about the dual, you know, dual athlete aspect to this cover that Madden's going with? Madden really, uh, after watching the trailer, it's they have not really made any improvements to the game at all for the past. 
I, I'd say probably six or seven years. I it is impossible for me to fathom the fact that someone can release the same product year in and year out. It's not a product like Coca-Cola or anything like that. It's a product that actually needs to improve and get better. It's a it's a video game. It's like if I released uh if let's say I made the, the Godfather and let's say that was my crowning jewel. Let's say the Godfather. I mean, I think it's a phenomenal movie. My poster is right there. You guys can't see it because this is a podcast. But uh, if I made the Godfather every single year and said, oh, I made some new improvements to it. and It was the exact same movie year in and year out. I, I don't think people would be too inclined to be watching any more of my movies. If you get my drift, kind of a bad analogy. Mm. Hopefully that sort of made sense. But let's focus on the cover now. The cover really just represents everything that's wrong with Madden and how idiotic people at EA are. I mean, they call it MVP edition. Who do you think should be on the cover? Yeah, because you got MVP? the Super Bowl MVP. The, so, the see, Super see, Bowl that's MVP. what I thought. That's what I thought the thought process was like. So they're taking the, the Super Bowl MVP and the actual MVP who had an amazing season. His name is Mr. Aaron Rodgers. He won yeah. the MVP. Dylan is shaking his head. And smiling because he knows that it's true. And he had an amazing season, 48 touchdown passes, barely any any interceptions. We will bring up those stats another day, Dylan. But, pardon my pause there, but this this cover sucks. I mean, I don't understand how you can call it MVP edition and not put the MVP on the cover. It's it's so ridiculous. It's, It's so crazy to me because Patrick Mahomes, he was the cover athlete. Uh, two two Maddens ago, so how are why are we still why are we still doing this? It's not like this guy hasn't gotten a Madden cover before. Aaron Rodgers hasn't been on a Madden cover before. He probably didn't want to do it. That's probably why he wasn't in the picture. But in just the Madden cover, it's so bad. I could have taken that picture on my iPhone, and it would have been the exact quality. It would have looked the exact same. There, there's nothing unique about that. There's nothing special. They, I mean, at least they're a little bit self aware. They went with beige because they know it's boring. No one likes it. It's really it is unfathomable to be how a creative team spent time designing a cover for this game and they came up with that. And then they got two of the best athletes in the sport and probably the best football player of all time to agree to do a pose for this, to sit in front of their camera and get put on their absolute bless. It's a terrible product. You can see I'm struggling to speak because I'm so angry that this game keeps being made. I hope that NFL 2K can do a better job because these guys clearly can't. Uh, so I'm not going to really rant about the actual content of the game as Drew tends to do every other episode, but, um, the first, the first thing I saw when this cover was released was actually Drew DMing me saying this is actually pretty dope. So I'm actually kind of surprised that he has this take, but I completely agree. This, this had to have been the most boring cover Madden's ever released. I mean, you already mentioned it, but Mahomes was on the cover of Madden 20 Brady was on the cover of Madden 18 and you just combine the two in the most boring photo you could think of. They're just sitting down looking at the camera and they, they hyped up this like with the two goats trailer uh, earlier in the week. And I mean, people are like, who is it going to be? Is it going to be two young goats? Is it going to be this or that? I mean, Tom Brady is just, he's, he's not, I don't know how to explain it, but he was already on the cover. Mahomes was already on the cover. We want some new faces. Tom Brady is an old face. He's, he's I think not I've got the, an explanation for this. I think I've got he's not going to appeal to the younger kids that want to buy this game. And I just wanted to see someone new like Derrick Henry. Aaron Rodgers has deserved one for the past 10 years. And I just this – was, this was not a good decision at all. And I think, honestly, they just ran out of ideas.
All right, so I'm going to address something here. So I think the two-athlete kind of cover, I, I, don't, I don't really like it. I think they should have to pick one. You got to pick one, make that your identity, because what you're doing here, you're contrasting that old age, new age with the Mahomes-Brady. But the thing here that I, I like what they did. So Tom Brady won Super Bowl MVP. And what does MVP stand for? Most valuable player. Is Tom Brady the most valuable player in the NFL today? You know, that's a very, very plausible argument that I feel that I can make. Is Aaron it Aaron Rodgers? No, absolutely not. He's not the most valuable player. Sure, he won the award. He won the MVP. But you got to talk about that meaning. I think that's what Madden is really trying to convey here, the meaning of the MVP. And it's just not Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. I think they're kind of – I think they – I honestly think they had Aaron Rodgers scheduled to be the cover, but given that he's a drama queen who complains about everything – his future with the Packers is uncertain. So what are they, are they going to publish a Madden cover with Aaron Rodgers ranked 12 for the Green Bay Packers when he could get traded to the Broncos next week? No, they're not going to do that because that would make their company look worse than they already are. So they're going to go with the sure sound MVP, Mr. Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr. for the cover of Madden 22. I'm going to interject here a little bit, Dylan. Uh, to discredit Mr. Aaron Rodgers' name, uh, a top five NFL <laughs> quarterback of all Honestly, time. too, he was probably too busy filming Jeopardy to go take some that's time out of the true. day to that, do, that's valid. do a photo shoot. So, I, I definitely do think that, honestly, like, just speaking without bias here, I definitely think, like, either, I, I doubt Rodgers wanted to do this in the first place to, like, take a picture for Madden, and uh, second of all, I I think, like, I just genuinely genuinely think, like, this is, like, uh, a kind of a move by EA, because Patrick Mahomes obviously going to stay for the can with the Kansas City Chiefs for like ten years. They locked him into mm-hmm. a contract, and Tom Brady, at least for the next year, is definitely going to be playing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Aaron Rodgers, not so much, and they don't want to have another redone cover where it was a Kyrie situation where he gets where he's on the Cavs. They do a cover with him for two K eighteen. Then they have to do the redone cover with him wearing number eleven. And Jad, to address your comment from earlier, yes, I did just I did say. This picture was kind of hard, and I do definitely agree that the two people in the picture deserve respect. But upon further notice, I realized that this cover is not only off-center, because they have the picture off-center, um, it, it's just hor- horrible. I don't know what I was thinking at the time, trying to give EA some slack, then I saw the trailer. All of my anger for them uh, arose again. But let's move on so that I don't rant too much. Actually, the next segment's probably going to make me rant as well. So... Uh, this is kind of as a boxing fan, um, I kind of have some thoughts about this, but I kind of want to hear what you guys think. Uh, obviously, influencer boxing has become kind of commonplace. Uh, we've had most recently Bryce Hall and Austin McBroom uh, with the whole TikTok and YouTube fight thing. Uh, obviously, we have Logan Paul versus Floyd Mayweather, another very recent event. And then we had Jake Paul versus Ben Askren. <coughs> as... <clears throat> just sort of observers and as sports fans, do you guys think that Jake and Logan Paul and just influencer boxing in general is good for the sport of boxing? So for me, I've got some very specific qualifications (laughs) here that I'm going to need to address. So I think Jake Paul and Logan Paul as individuals are good for the sport of boxing. But I do think that this broader influence you know skater boy Vinny hacker slash youtuber deji weighing 250 pounds showing up to a boxing match is not good for the sport of boxing but logan paul and jake paul have put a lot of effort into this i think they're solid fighters i mean say what you want about logan definitely lost to floyd mayweather he was able to go the distance with him 
And I think there's something to say about that, but them financially, obviously are good for the sport of boxing. They obviously brought in millions of dollars of revenue and not anybody can do that. You know, you can't just take some random guy off the street. You know, maybe you can, to be honest, but Logan Paul and Jake Paul are big names. They're going to attract a lot of revenue and they take this seriously. And they're not someone that's just going to be an easy wipeout. Uh, actually, for a regular, for an actual professional boxer in his prime, you know, it's probably an easy wipeout. It's probably an easy wipeout. But with these other matchups here, it's 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 close with Logan Paul, Jake Paul. I think we should see them fight each other. I think that's going to bring in a lot of revenue. I, I don't think they would do that unless they're going to pull in some like no win type of type of deal that they did with uh, type of deal that they did with the Mayweather Paul fight. I, I thought that was kind of stupid. I didn't like that at all. But I think them two as individuals with their platforms, with uh, kind of their messages, they put in a lot of effort. You got to respect that. So I think them two individual, that's good. All this other TikToker stuff, I don't, I don't like it at all. Yeah, so I do think Logan and Jake Paul are good for making revenue. <clears throat> but for the sport itself, it's kind of degrading to, you know, all of the great boxers. I mean, you've got arguably – the greatest boxer of all time in an exhibition with a YouTuber and sure it made them tons of money, but it feels like just that it's, it's sort of a money grab. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but it was pretty obvious Floyd went easy on him and it just, it didn't feel like it was a fight. It felt like more of a TV show. And Jake is a super off brand uh, Conor McGregor with the way he tries to act, not the way he fights. And it's super corny when he tries to force his, like he tries to have put on this persona where he's crazy and he puts on the viewers. It's so obvious it's fake. And I think it's, I agree. It's very good for making money. I mean, I'm pretty sure everyone knows that, but I'm not a boxing fan, but if I were one, I would be pretty pissed that this is what the sport has become because yeah, it used so. to be, you know, people hate each other and stuff, but now you've got unathletic people who are just popular on social media, just switching over to the boxing like it's not a it's not a real sport and it's sort of a game so yeah I can really understand why some old heads or some very passionate um boxing fans don't like this yeah so I, I yeah so I'm a I I would call myself a boxing fan as I do enjoy the sport quite a bit and I do have a lot of favorite fighters um Again, I don't really have anything too original to say about this. I think that as far as revenue goes, as far as uh, bringing the sport to a younger generation and inspiring more people to uh, get interested in boxing, um, which is a sport that is obviously, as you guys know, is commercially diminishing uh, year in and year out. So this is kind of a way to revitalize it. But it, just for the sport as a whole, it's disrespectful. Um, there's so many up and coming boxers that have really, they don't get the chance to shine um, because these guys kind of are just able to step in, use their their hard work from another thing. Obviously, Logan Paul, Jake Paul, they've worked very hard to get to where, where they are now. But that I, I just don't feel like that qualifies them to get in there with Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather is one of, if not the greatest boxer of all time. In my opinion, he's not, but that is besides the point. It, it, it's just absolutely, I, I just feel like it's kind of disrespectful to the sport. I think it's disrespectful most to up-and-coming boxers. I feel like the for the fans, really... Um, for the average fan, I, I don't think it's too, I don't think it's disrespectful at all. In fact, it's more inviting. Um, boxing sort of can seem like an elitist sport where you have to pay a lot, obviously it's pay-per-view. You have to pay like 60 bucks to watch uh, one of the top guys fight. And 
it, it, it just, uh, it's not as inviting as something like the NBA where you can just turn on your, your, your basic cable TV show and watch the, the NBA. And it, it's just boxing it, it, to a lot of people. It's like an art form. And I mean, you can say that about pretty much any sport, but I just feel like boxing is just something that's sacred. I think that there's kind of a fine line between uh, just, just sort of like street fighting type of style and like legitimate actual artistic boxing. I, I mean, a lot of professional boxers have expressed their displeasure at Logan and Jake and all these other influencers, not just these guys uh, getting the opportunity to do what they do. Um, because they didn't, they really didn't have to work hard at this at all. They just called their agent. They booked it with uh, whatever L- L- Floyd Mayweather or Ben Askren or Tyron Woodley, who, whoever's going to box. It, it's just, it's good for inviting people to the sport is what I'm just trying to say, but it's just, it's just a disgrace to the sport. I, I feel strongly about that. I, I just, it's really, if you watch the TikTok versus uh, YouTube um, fighting thing, you can just see the quality of the actual fighting is it's not very good at all. I, I think that some of the fighters did very well. I mean, they're given three months to train three months to learn something that you've never, ever done before. That's really cool, but that's not something that should be a pay-per-view event that should be, considered actual boxing or anything like that that should be far distance from the sport that should be like an exhibition like you have a charity basketball game same same type of thing jake paul should not be calling himself a legitimate fighter uh youtubers just in general should not be calling themselves legitimate fighters it's just it's just really disgraceful and i I just don't like to see it at all all right so that'll wrap it up with that boxing thing i think it's a very interesting line because you know you have to bring have to balance that new financial aspect with that they're bringing bringing in lots of new fans because no high schooler, no millennial is going to watch two established boxers with 12 and five records, you know, box for $75. They're going to watch some YouTubers who they've heard of. That's got millions of subscribers go box some all time. Great. So there's that fine line between diminishing the sport versus maintaining it basically. Cause boxing, like you've been saying has been dying recently, but that's going to bring us to love, hate, everybody's favorite segment as you said our favorite segment last segment of the episode love hate i'm gonna go with the love today i'm gonna go with the love today so recently i've attended the food franchise applebee's and i was really feeling some chicken wings i was really feeling some chicken wings because i wanted to go to uh, buffalo wild wings the night before to watch the basketball game have some wings didn't end up happening so i'm carrying that chicken wing craving over into the next day and little did I know Applebee's has this flavor wing called honey pepper, honey pepper flavored wings. So let me talk to you about this. So I was very skeptical of this at first because I was like, I've never seen this in my life. You know, is this some like this. knockoff lemon pepper thing like we see at Wingstop? That's very good, obviously. So I figured like, you know, am I ever going to go to Applebee's and get wings again? Probably not. So let me try it out this one time. And I was, I was very excited with what I saw. It was very, very good. So basically what I had to say, it's a combination of like a honey, honey barbecue slash a little lemon pepper. And I think it was, it was very solid. The, they had lots of meat on the bones. Uh, none of this like cheap stuff. The, it was just very good overall. And I got to give Applebee's some credit. Uh, they did something that I haven't seen before, honey pepper flavored wings. So my love today goes to Applebee's for uh, what they're doing with the chicken wing section on that menu. So uh, I have sort of a love and a hate. Like, it's the same thing, but I loved it and hated it. Mm. So basically for my, uh, you know, as you guys know, I'm a high school football player. I'm trying to go to D1, you feel me? But um, 
You will go do so, <laughs> so during the summer, we usually have a bunch of seven on sevens against different schools. And uh, recently on Saturday, I played a tournament, a seven on seven tournament. And it was pretty fun because I actually ended up with three receptions, 40 mm. yards and a two point conversion. What a so, you know, I, I put up some big numbers, you know, teams were afraid of me. I could afraid of me. I could tell. But uh, it lasted five hours. So once I went home, I noticed that I had the nastiest turf burn I've ever had. And to this day, I still sleep very uncomfortably as if anything touches it, it brings me pain. I got very sunburnt and um, I was very exhausted for the whole weekend. So I just so I love the seven on seven is actually my favorite part of this whole football season. But what I had to experience after was not the best. You know, in your case, Jed, I, I feel like the positives outweigh the negatives there. <laughs> but yeah, for sure. That was great. For my uh, love slash hate, um, I kind of have a hate. Again, it's sort of like Jed here. I kind of have a hate, um, but it could potentially be a love. Um, so it's actually going to be Conan O'Brien leaving TBS after 26 years. Um, as some of you mm. guys know, I'm a huge Conan O'Brien fan. Um, I did not know probably- that. Yeah. <laughs> he's one of my favorite comedians, if not my favorite comedian of all time. I, I would love to see him live. I obviously haven't been able to, um, but he, to me, he, he's a great, great comedic mind and he's a great late night talk show host. So to see him with the longest running late night talk show of all time, finally call, call it quits after 26 years. And I know that he is going to do a show on HBO max that will be coming out um, after he ends his run on TBS this week. It's just been sort of kind of sad to see him leave the, the late night format, just knowing that one of the all-time greats, like it's this is similar to when David Letterman retired and when Johnny Carson retired. Conan has kind of been the face of the new generation. You've had, like I just said, it's been Carson, then Letterman in the 90s, then you have Conan for the 2000s and 2010s. He, he's just been around for it. He, he's a great comedian. Uh, I absolutely love the guy. Uh, but I just kind of, I, I hate to see it all come to an end. I, I don't want to say that I'm skeptical of the HBO max series, um, because knowing Conan, it'll still be as hilarious as he has been his entire career. Uh, it just sort of, it's just sort of a departure from the regular format that we're used to, um, seeing him in. And I know that Conan, like he obviously does really well with changes and stuff like that. So I have no doubt that the series is going to be equally as good, if not even better than what he's been producing. But it's just kind of sad to see him finally leave TV after all these years as a fan. Um, I mean, I, he might be the singular reason as to why I get HBO Max. I have to see that guy. But um, yeah, that was kind of my hate for today. But it could turn into a love because I could absolutely love his new show. And I think it's actually nice for him to finally call it quits and still have another project ongoing instead of retiring. Yeah, so that'll wrap up our episode. Uh, we're going to be looking to produce a lot of content for you guys over this summer. If you liked um, the hot take idea, uh, let us know. We'll keep doing that. Let us know what you think about this NBA Finals, this Madden cover, Jake Paul, Logan Paul, all of that good stuff. And look out for some more graphics. You know, we've been thinking about a lot of new ideas for you guys. And just stay tuned because, you know, we got lots of lots of things coming out. Yeah, thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for all the support on the last post. Uh, we got a lot of likes and comments on that. You guys seem to really enjoy that. Like Dylan said, we'll be producing a lot of content for you guys. And uh, until next time.